Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Be sure to subscribe for the latest updates and new episodes to this podcast. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Catch us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll have an outdoor service at 9 a.m. It's good to be with you. We're going to open up the Word uh, together again uh, today, and we're just grateful to be in the midst of a series called Burning Questions. If you've been tuning in, if you've been paying attention, we are ending today a three-week series that has been really challenging. I'm going to tell you, this is a challenging series for me to preach. It's a series that makes me a little nervous. It makes me sweat a little bit, you know, it makes me, but that's how I know that it's important for us as a church, because I believe these are questions that we as believers are asking. I believe these are questions that those outside of the church, those that don't yet know Jesus are asking. And so because of that, I think we have to be asking these questions. And so I know I've heard from some of you that these have been challenging weeks uh, and it has been for me. And so today we are launching into our final question in our three-part series, Burning Questions. And tonight's question is this, don't all roads lead to God? Do all roads lead to God? Uh, As we do every week, let's talk for a minute why this question. We picked three questions for this series. There's a lot more we could do. In fact, maybe the Lord would allow us, maybe every summer we'll have like a burning questions thing, you know. I just think maybe God would use that as a way to help us continually focus on being relevant in his word. But why this question? Our world is increasingly influenced by pluralism. Pluralism, that pluralism is kind of the belief that there is truth in all religion and there's not one single religion or faith that is an exclusive source of truth. More than just pluralism, right? Uh, Our world is increasingly influenced by moralism, this idea that what you have faith in doesn't matter as long as you live a good moral life. In fact, some would say we, we don't even have to have faith in Christ. Doesn't just God love us all anyway? Even this idea, as I was studying and reading natural philosophy, and if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically this, that we all have the natural ability to figure out things on our own, live good lives, become good people, and ultimately find our way to God. It is imperative, right? Don't we love choices? We love options. We we like, I mean, we live in a world where we've got everything at the touch of, I can log on to YouTube and watch anything I want. And I I don't have 10 channels. I have 110, right? We love options. We love choices. And so, of course, when it comes to the question of all roads leading to God, we must, we must dive deep and understand what the Bible says to us. What does it say to us as skeptics, us as believers, us as seekers, us as disciples? We must seek what it is the Bible says to us. And just as important, how are we to respond in the year 2020? So let's pray. God, we need your help. We have very little interest tonight in hearing from me. We have very little interest in hearing on another opinion. God, in these days, uh, we hear opinions all the time. Everyone has a platform. Everyone has a voice. And God, that can be a beautiful thing. But tonight, what we're most interested in is hearing from you. What we're most interested in is hearing your truth. Not my truth, not what sounds good to us, God, but your truth. So we give you permission to speak. 
we would ask you to open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts to receive your word and to be challenged and changed by it. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen, amen. We're going to be in John chapter 14. If you have your copy of scripture, would you join me there in John chapter 14 where we find good scriptural, biblical support uh, that helps us answer this question. And uh, if you have your YouVersion Bible app, our event is set up there. We love when you follow along with us there. Uh, Of course, it will be on the screen, but I'm going to be reading starting in verse 1 of John 14. And this is Jesus now speaking, comforting his disciples, comforting his disciples as the end draws near for Jesus. And he speaks these words to him. Verse 1 of John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am. I'm going. Just want to pause to get some context here to understand what it is that we're reading. Again, Jesus is comforting his disciples. He, he's trying to paint a clear picture of what is happening, of where he is going, of what they are to expect in the days and weeks ahead. And, and Jesus is speaking clearly here, but there's always one, you know. I don't know if you can remember back. Uh, to school. My kids are in the room. They can't even remember back to school. It was that long ago, but, but some of you, it's been a really long time, you know. Remember back to school, there was always the one kid in class that just said what they were thinking. Maybe you work with that person now, right? But, but it's like the filter wasn't there, and maybe sometimes that annoyed you, but every now and then they said something, and it's like they had the guts and courage and audacity to say what everyone else was thinking, but no one else had. You know those kind of people? Don't look around. That's not a good thing uh, to maybe acknowledge now, but we've all got people like that in our lives. And he here in the midst of the disciples, there's one of them, and his name's Thomas. And if you're familiar with scripture, you might know Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Now, what a nickname to have, right? I got to tell you, at the end of my life, that's probably not a nickname I want to have, but that's Thomas because later in scripture, he doubts. He doesn't trust. He needs evidence. But in this moment, Thomas is going to kind of say something that I think some other people were probably thinking. Jesus is like, hey, you know where I'm going. And Thomas, look with me here in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Uh, Maybe every other disciple had it down in their track and they're like, yeah, Jesus, we got it. But but Thomas is like, no, 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 wait a second. Jesus, what are you talking about? I don't know where you're going. I thought we're going to dinner. What are you talking about? I don't know where you're going. And so Thomas just kind of admits he's the honest one in the group. And there's got to be somebody else in the group that's like, thank you for admitting that. I had no clue what was happening there. Right. Right. And so, but, but Thomas is a doubter. He is a doubter. He he needs evidence. He can't just believe. He can't just take word for it. He needs to see. But but I want you to hear, out of a doubter wrestling with truth, out of a doubter questioning God, I want you to hear one of the most important truths that Jesus ever spoke. So if you think doubting is always bad, if you think being a skeptic means that you're unwelcome in the kingdom, remember doubting Thomas and remember what Jesus says in response to his doubting. We're in verse 6. Jesus answered. Remember, Thomas says, I don't know the way, but Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, 
you will know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And while that absolutely means something to us today, let's stop for a minute and consider what that would have meant spoken to a Jewish man in context. First of all, I am the way. That's what Jesus says. I am the way. The Old Testament is filled with references to the way, to the way. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses speaks of walking in the way of the Lord. Throughout the Psalms, throughout Isaiah, constantly refers to the way. Uh, But now Jesus emphatically says, I am the way. I've shared this before, but I'm not great with directions. And believe it or not, as some of you that are younger in the room, there was a world that existed before GPS. And I, I'm old, just old enough, right, that I began driving and we, um, maybe there was GPS then, but it was really expensive. And we didn't, you know, the dashboard things, you'd stick up there and they'd fall and you'd stick them back up there. But, but we didn't have one of those yet. So I'd have to like write directions down on paper, you know, or these things called maps that you had to fold 54 times, right? And so I, I had that and I was not good with directions. And so I, I would get lost. I'm sure I would get lost. And so I'd have to stop and I'd have to ask for directions. And let me tell you a difference. The difference between the person at the gas station that says, all right, you're going to go down there. You're going to hang a right. You're look for a cow, you're going to go three doors down, you're gonna, and I'm, I'm uh-huh, and I have no clue, you know, but I'm just faking it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I leave, and I'm, I'm lost again. There's a difference between someone saying, hey, there's the way, and someone saying, you know what, I know where you're going, let me show you the way. Here, I'm going to hop in my car, no one ever did that to me, by the way, but, but could you see the difference? Not, not I'm going to tell you the way, I'm going to show you the way. In fact, Jesus doesn't just say, I'm going to show you the way. He says, come on, I I am the way. I am the way. And Jesus does not tell us about the way. He is the way. And he guides us and he leads us and he strengthens us and empowers us. Jesus stands before him and says, I am the way. Not just I am the way, right? He says, I am the truth. Again, the Psalms, uh, the Old Testament is filled with examples and opportunities for us to understand the importance of walking in truth, choosing the way of truth. But there's a difference. There's a difference between telling us the truth and embodying the truth, right? Many teachers, many teachers can claim, I've taught you the truth, but only Jesus could claim, I am the truth right? I mean, this is, this is deep stuff. So, and that, that's who Jesus was. He didn't just come to tell us about the truth. He came to show us, I am the way. I am the truth. And finally, I am the life. See, what all people want in the end is not truth in and of itself, but truth that leads to life. Life with Jesus is life worth living. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. (laughs) Except through me. Jesus alone is the way to God. He guides us and leads us and strengthens us and empowers us. And fast forward, this is a radical claim in John 14. As we ask this question, don't all roads lead to God? This is a radical claim in John 14 that Jesus made. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But now consider, now fast forward. Several years, Jesus would go on to be crucified, to lay down his life, to sacrifice himself on behalf of us for our sins. And and consider now the earliest believers in the book of Acts. 
that they're facing persecution because their faithfulness to Christ, because their obedience to him. And in this profound moment in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John stand before the religious leaders of the day to give an answer to the way. They, they claim to follow the way, and now they're really, their life is kind of, they're faced with a, a potential death sentence here in Acts chapter 4. But, but they give this proclamation, this message uh, a speech, right? In Acts 4, verse 11, it says this, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Again, they're speaking to the religious leaders of the day. Salvation is found, look at this in verse 12, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is not just Jesus himself saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But now the earliest believers that watch Jesus bleed and hang on a cross. And they watched him rise again and ascend to the Father. And now the church is breaking loose. And the Holy Spirit is on the move. And when they stand there at a moment of judgment, they say, let me tell you the only name. The only name is Jesus. The only way is Jesus. Bible is clear that Jesus is the way. Now, some of us in the room listening, uh, some of you online that are watching, you you may have a question, and and this is an honest question. This is a real question. You may say, how can you believe in a God that is so narrow-minded? Isn't this too unloving of a God to be so exclusive. If God really loved us, if God is love, why? Why would he be so exclusive? Why would he say that there is one way to get to him? I think that's a great question. Some of us tonight, if we're honest, we have that question. Maybe we're skeptical. Maybe we, we understand Jesus says, I am the way, but we think, man, how can, how can a loving God say there's one way? Wouldn't a loving God want to provide as many options and ways as possible to get to him because he loves us, right? I think that's a great question. But as I was studying and preparing this week, I think that question leads to an even better question and probably one that I don't think I've considered until today. See, the question of how can you believe in a God that is so narrow-minded that he would only provide one way, I think that's a great question. You know what I think is an even better question for me? Is this, why has God even provided one way? Follow me for a minute. Follow me here. If, if God, if God had to, but but why has he provided any way at all to redeem such a broken and lost world? Not, Not why wouldn't God provide more ways? Why did God love us enough to even provide a way to get to him. I want you to imagine for a minute something. I want you to imagine God. Whew, that's enough, right? That's, that's a lot. But I want you to imagine God creating a holy, perfect creation. I mean, his creation was good. And not just, not just plants and sunrises and zebras, you know, but, but, but mankind and his creation was good. And he created man in his image. We talked about that last week. Man and woman in his image. He breathes life into them and he gives them opportunity to care for creation, to be fruitful and to multiply. He gave them everything they needed and only asked one thing that they not do. 
And what is it that his creation do? They defy him. The moment he turns his back, they openly and willingly defy him. Even though they were told not to, mankind does it anyway. Even they were told that they would die, they do it anyway. But God promises a way towards redemption. Even in their brokenness, even in their blatant disobedience, they were told, if you do this, you will die. But even then, God says, I'll provide a way for you. A way for healing. A way to be in right relationship with me. But people, mankind, continue to rebel against God. And one group, the Hebrews, ends up in slavery, in bondage to the Egyptians. And so God intervenes and declares, let my people go. God moves to redeem these people from bondage, from slavery. And he declares, I will make you a, a holy people, right? A holy nation. I will be your God. You will be my people. And the people say, man, that's awesome. Yeah, we love that. And what seems like a moment later, what do they do? They turn their backs on God again. And all his desires. And what seems like, and I'm summarizing chapters and chapters of scripture, but what seems like a snap of your fingers, they're dancing around a golden calf, worshiping idols. So, so what does God do? He patiently reminds them of their agreement. And he sends prophets, humans, being asked to speak on his behalf. And what do they do? They kill the prophets. They corrupt what worship was intended to be. Finally, God, God says, I'm going to send my own son. I'm going to send my own son. And what do they do to him? Well, they crucify him. They kill him. They punish him like the death of a criminal. And even then, God looks at his creation and says, I forgive you. Even then, even then he looks and says, I forgive you for everything you've, all the sins you've committed against me and my son. I forgive you. My only requirement is that you honor the one who died in your place. The only thing I ask of you is that you live your life to honor the one who died for you. And after all of that, we look into the face of our creator and say, you didn't do enough. You only provided one way. I got to be honest. As I've been thinking this week, I've been asking the Lord, why, why did you even provide one way? Why did you love me enough to even allow me to have any way to get to you, God? After all God has done, over thousands of years to reach his people, despite our constant rebellion, and for him to finally give his son for the cause of our salvation, it's the height of arrogance to shake our fist at him and say, how dare you only give me one way to be saved? Lord, forgive me. Be honest, Lord, Lord, forgive me. So, maybe the most important question question that we ask each and every week that we answer the question but the question after the question is this now what I believe the Bible is clear that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and I believe it's important to ask why only one way but when we step back and consider we understand wow God's loving grace and mercy has given us a way to get to God 
So now what? What do you do with the exclusive call of Christ? And its implications. Maybe you're here tonight in the room. Maybe you're, you're watching online and you would say, yes. Yes, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe it. I have access to the Father because of Christ. And we celebrate that tonight. But the question then is now, what? See, I believe, I believe knowing the way is so important. No, we remember Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I think knowing the way is so important that we know Christ. And some of us here today, we know Christ. And we, I celebrate that with you, that you know him, that you can have a relationship with Christ. I think knowing Christ is important. But I think if it stops there for us, then we're missing. We're missing part of the incredible call and mission that God has for us. Because I wrote it this way, that knowing the way changes you, but showing the way changes the world. Now, I know that rhymes. I actually don't like rhyming. I know that's like a preacher thing to do. And it's like, I, I it's like cringed a little bit rhyming. I'm like, oh, it's like Dr. Seuss. And I, I mean, he's good and all, but I just didn't. But, but follow me here, because I want you to understand what I'm saying. This isn't meant to be cute. I, this is truth, though. I, I believe in knowing the way. I'm, I'm glad today that I know the way. But, but if it, that's it, and if I walk out of the room saying, I know the way, I've got the answer, look at me, and that's all it's about for me, man, that has changed me. But what does that do for the world around me? Because we're called, we have a mission as a church, and our mission is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And what that means to me is that knowing the way, man, that, that changes, that changes me, that transforms me, doesn't it? But showing the way, now I get to be a part, I get to be a part of transforming the world around me through the hope of Jesus Christ. That's good news. I heard a story several years ago that I've never, I've never been able to, to uh, lose hold of. It's, it's just powerful. It was about an organization that was working in Nepal to help overcome cycles of poverty. And the cycle of poverty, man, it is deep and it is hard to understand. But one of the things they realized as they were working here is that one of, one of the blocks, one of the things that was keeping uh, many people in that community in poverty was something as basic as being able to see. They didn't have glasses, uh, simple cataract surgeries. And I say simple for professionals, uh, medical professionals that are able to do it. It was not an expensive thing. But literally, in this particular community, it was preventing many people from being able to work, from being able to get educated. And it was, so, so the story was of, of this woman that came in to have the procedure, and she had to return a couple days later to get the bandages removed. And I've shared this image before in a different uh, context, but the most beautiful image I've ever seen, as the woman sits there that day holding her baby, she's blind, she, she can't see. And now, after the surgery, now the bandages are going to be removed. And for the first time, she gets to open her eyes and see. And not just see colors and flowers and trees. She gets to look down and look into the eyes of her baby. that She has, ne she has held her all her life, but she's never been able to see her. And in that moment, it is, it is one of the most beautiful images I've ever seen. And I think about the power of that, right? That you were blind and you could not see it. And when you're blind, man, there's, there's not a lot of hope for you. There's not a lot of promise. There's not a lot of future, especially in a community like that. There's so many barriers that are in place. What an incredible gift it is 
to be able to see. I think there's a reason God's word often talks about blindness. Jesus would heal the blind, and that was important because they couldn't see. But often, Jesus would not just speak about physical blindness. He would talk about spiritual blindness, too, because I think it, I think it mattered. And see, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we no longer have to walk around blind. We no longer have to walk around without hope. We can see, but now... I want you to imagine this story taking one more step. I want you to imagine this precious mother as she returns back home to her community. What kind of response do you think it would be as she walks back into town holding her baby and she can see, she can look into the eyes of her neighbors. She can look at the grocery store, the market that she's walked by for the first time. What kind of response do you think that would have? But now I want you to imagine that there are others in her community who are also blind. Others in her community that just like she was, they cannot see. And while she can rejoice and celebrate that she can see, what does she do about her friends? What does she do about her neighbors? What does she do about the other people in her community that were just like her? Suppose suppose the same doctor that was able to help her, who helped heal her, is available. And suppose that this sight-restoring procedure is not limited or restricted, but it is available to all. What do you think that woman would do as she walked back home into her town and community? You see, it's one thing to be blind and be able to see. It's a whole nother thing to help those around you be able to see. I can't help but believe that woman would walk back into her community and say, come on, we got to go. I will walk with you. Let me hold your hand. I will show you the way. I will lead you on. Let me tell you, I was blind, but now I can see. I want you to be able to see too, because you see, knowing the way changes you. Showing the way changes the world. It changes your community. It changes your neighborhood. It changes your family. It changes one relationship at a time because we aren't just satisfied as believers that I know the way. Praise the Lord for that. But now what? You got to show. Show the way. Show the way in love. I want to close today with an opportunity, a divine opportunity, I believe. I I think so many of us in the room today watching online, I think a lot of us can be convicted that, Lord, you got to help me. There are blind people all around me, and and I got to show the way. I mean... I mean, I I, I know Jesus, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, but I got to show people around me. There's people all around me, and they, they need hope. They're blind. They cannot see. They don't have a future. And I I think that's true, but I actually believe that there's some of us today. We may still be blind ourselves. And I just felt convicted in my heart that I can't preach a message about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life without giving an opportunity for every single person in the room or at home or wherever you're gathered to take an opportunity today. Maybe today you are blind. 
you are walking, it's not physically blind, but maybe today you would say that your life has no purpose, that you feel like you have no hope, you feel like you're just walking in place, you feel like there is no future, you feel like right now fear is overwhelming you, and you would admit today, maybe there was a moment in the past where you could, but, but today you would just say, man, I feel blind right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the future holds. I don't understand. I feel like God is, and maybe that's you today. And I just, I could not, not take a minute today to pray with you and say, would you allow the Lord today to open your eyes? Get this. We can't show the way until we know the way, right? We, we, can't, we can't help others until we allow the Lord to help us. And so today in this moment, I want to pray for you. This is what I want to ask you to do. Would you just close your eyes wherever you are, wherever you're watching? Would you just pause for a minute? Being quiet and still is not easy, but it's so important. So would you just pause for a minute? Would you make room and space and opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come and speak even now? The Bible says that his kindness leads us to repentance. So tonight, you don't need to feel guilty. You don't need to feel ashamed. You need to know that the God of the universe loved you enough to make a way for you. And his name is Jesus. So today, if you know that you're blind, and can we be honest, over these last four months, we all feel a little blind, don't we? But, but right now, you would say, in my life, feel like I'm walking blind. I feel like I don't have hope and I don't have a future. Today, all you have to do, all you have to do is confess in faith and say, God, I, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't make a way for myself. I can't make myself see again. I can't be good enough and moral enough and strong enough to do this on my own. I need a savior and I confess and admit today that Jesus paid the price for my sin and he made a way for me. He made the way for me. So now I can be free. And if that's you right now in this moment, would you just pray this prayer along with me in your heart? You don't have to pray it out loud, you can, but just in your heart, would you just pray this prayer along with me? Say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I, I, want, I want you to show me the way, the way. God, I'm tired of walking in blindness. I'm tired of standing still, feeling like I'm not going anywhere. I'm tired of being overwhelmed by fear and worry and anxiety and hopelessness. And today I choose to put my trust and faith in Christ alone. Thank you that you made a way, that you died on the cross for my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a savior, but you died in my place so that I could be forgiven. And you rose again victorious over death. And one day, God, I get to live again with you in eternity. Until then, God, I want to show the way. I don't want to just know the way, I want to show the way. And so I want you to use my life because I got blind people all around me. And you're counting on me, God. You need me, you want me, you're inviting me now to be a part 
for such a time as this. God, thank you for hearing my prayer. And in faith, I believe that you are now my Savior, that you are now opening my eyes, and you are now showing me the way so I can show others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.